Welcome to Australian Hunger, I'm your host Ben. Today I've got an interview with Will Haynes, who is from Melbourne stoner band Glory, talking about their debut album and their current Australian tour that very soon. But before I get to that, I want to talk a little bit about new Metal. I, I believe I've covered this in the past, although the reason I bring it up now is listening this morning to Pierre Decast, a podcast that I've been enjoying, and it basically two guys they're covering new metal from a nostalgic perspective they're going back to some of the albums they loved when they were younger sort of um late teenage early 20s and essentially it's it's you know new metal is a genre of nostalgia for them and i i was thinking about that concept and like new metal i think is a nostalgic genre it's kind of a dead genre in the fact that there is no new work really being produced which is achieving widespread critical or commercial success now i think there are a couple of examples of bands which have been infusing new metal into metalcore uh king 810 comes to mind although they've gone in a little bit of a different direction recent years as well as some aussie bands i think um ocean grove uh make comes to mind as well as a couple of others but they're not really pure in that sense i'm talking about new metal as the kind of distinctive flavour that all those American bands produced in the late 90s, early 2000s. And so I think it's really been 15 years since a new band of that kind of style, not a metalcore band which has absorbed those influences, of that kind of style has produced a sort of recognisable widespread album. And that's interesting because it basically means that (laughs) new metal is, as I said, nostalgic. It means that new metal is something to be appreciated rather than produced, something to be enjoyed, but from a perspective which invokes your early teenage years. That's a weird place for a genre to be. And for metal, I think it is a very distinct honour, I guess you might call it, because although a lot of these genres have a lot of nostalgia attached to them, you know, so their biggest bands are legacy bands they are still, in a sense, alive. You know, doom metal, black metal, death metal, traditional heavy metal, power metal, they all can trace their high points to 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and they may have experienced a decline, but I think bands are still producing really good albums in each of those traditions. And so it's it's bizarre for this thing to become around and not just be really popular within the heavy metal community, but be a incredibly well-selling genre at the last gasp of the CD era of the you know music actually making money 
for lesser acts era, and now you, you obviously have a bunch of bands which belong to that and are still sort of playing, um, still making records, which to varying degrees have success. Corn, Slipknot, uh, Rage Against the Machine is coming back, although they're slightly you know, different, I guess. Uh, rap metal, <laughs> that's something which certainly fell off a cliff. Um, but So we, we, we don't really have, the genre kind of doesn't exist in any real sense. You wouldn't say that someone's a vanguard of the new metal community because, I don't know, and, and may, this may just be my ignorance, but I don't think we have any kind of really good example of new bands coming out and producing really interesting work. Obviously, there are bands, I, I see occasional bands producing new metal, and it fucking sucks. It fucking sucks. To all extents and purposes. You know, it, it is dead. And that is distinct. And it's something that's really interesting, given the fact that it's not just, you know, a, a niche genre which you know, had a little bit of success and died, it was a popular genre. You know, some of the best-selling metal albums, I think you might... Possibly new metal albums. I'd have to go check that. But there are certainly, you know, platinum new metal albums. So it's not like the genre didn't go anywhere. It was incredibly successful during its small window of opportunity. And so that that's kind of a fascinating thing that happened. <laughs> And it would be interesting to see, sort of put that in perspective, maybe it's the fact that it was popular that it failed to sustain itself. Because popular music relies on a sort of ever-cycling, you know, trends. That's perhaps my overly cynical perspective. Whereas heavy metal music tends to, and you know, maybe this might just be how it currently exists now, rather than the early 2000s, late 90s, which, is my understanding, was a bit of a low point. But it's able to sustain genres because you have bands which are continually revitalising it. I mean, I, you know, speed metal, you know, sort of blackened speed metal, which I think was really at its height in the mid-'80s, uh, I, I came across a terrific blackened, uh, sort of black speed metal album the other day. And, you know, I don't know if you can say that necessarily about something like new metal. Will Haynes, I talked to him last week, he's one of the vocalists um, and a bassist for Melbourne Stoner band Droid. They released their debut album late last year, Hyper Reality, and they're currently finishing off their Australian tour. So they're going to be playing on the 15th of February in Melbourne, the 22nd of February in Bendigo, the 6th of March in Hobart, the 7th of March in Launceston. They'll also be participating in Armageddon 4 in Perth on May 23rd and Woefest in Melbourne on May 31st. The songs I played during the interview were Mouth of the Hound and Ant Queen. This is Will Haynes. So let's go back to the beginning. I believe the band started about in 2017-ish. How did that come around? Yeah, that's right. Um, probably about mid-2017. Um, we're all we're all mates. Like I went to school with Richard, the vocalist and guitarist. Um, he's the same age as me. And then Tim, the other guitarist, has been a friend for a long time as well. We all grew up in a town called Bangarata, but moved to Melbourne when we were about all about 18, 19. Uh, so, yeah, those guys, I've, I've been you know, trying to start a band with 
with Dick um, for years and it just sort of never, nothing ever happened. And then I actually stopped playing music for probably like five years. I didn't pick up any instruments at all. And then um, Tim and Richard were starting a band and they were looking for a bass player and they sort of twisted my arm into picking it up again and playing. And then I said yes to that. And then we had another drummer to begin with, um, Nick Nolan. And then he had too many work commitments and stuff. So we ended up getting Jeremy, which is like a mutual friend um, with some other guys I knew from Wangaratta. And yeah, that's how it sort of kicked off. Mm-hmm. How did the name Droid come about? <laughs> um, we had like a a short list that we're just going through names because and we keep thinking back to that Simpsons episode where you want a name you don't want a name that's uh too funny but you don't want a name that's too um, serious or like there's so many of those metal names that are just a bit on the nose and same with the whole Doom scene so I don't know we're just sort of we're all into sci-fi and we're actually not that huge of the Star Wars nerds as people think we do like it but it's not directly related to star wars i don't know to be honest it just it was it's a short list and then we just liked a, a band name that had one word simple to the point and sort of gives that vibe of futuristic and sci-fi vibes that we're into mm-hmm. so in 2017 you released your first ep talk, talk a little bit about how you guys worked on that how that sort of came around um the first, the first song we ever that Richard wrote um, was uh, "Thunder Mountain Wizard," which we like. That was the first thing we ever jammed on, pretty much. Um, so we knew that was going to be on there. Uh, and then it sort of got changed at the last minute, and I wrote that intro and outro riff because we recorded drums and we weren't happy with the riffs that we had there. So we changed it at the last minute. We had to sort of to make something up to fit the three-four pattern which became what the riff is now. Uh, and then, yeah, it was just a bunch of other random riffs and stuff that mostly me and Richard put together. It was all kind of like we were just sort of learning as we were going. None of us really had much of an idea about writing stoner music or doom music, whatever you want to call it. So we just sort of – was just whatever came came to us at the time. And then we just booked a rehearsal space and hired some microphones and just tracked it ourselves and put it out which was, yeah, people seemed to like it, which was cool. Mm-hmm. No, I remember it coming out. To, uh, oh, God, it's two and a half years ago now. Um, <laughs> um, it's crazy. <laughs> so you, you sound like this is kind of your first sort of putting something out, releasing music, right? Uh, it's not It's not actually for any of us, I don't think. Like, really? I was playing in hardcore bands when I was maybe like 14 to through to like 18 or something hardcore punk um, uh, I guess metal bands as well so we've all been playing music for a long time and we've put out like little EPs and demos but yeah never up until Hyper Reality like that's the most like real professional release any of us have ever put out no doubt Mm-mm. so when do you guys start working on a Hyper Reality um, we like some of those songs we've had since the start of 2018, like not in their current forms, but like the beginnings of them, like Mouth of the Hound. I think I wrote that riff, yeah, like maybe early 2018. And it's just, it's changed a lot since then, like the whole length and different parts of the songs and melodies and stuff. But a lot of the songs were written, yeah, like through 2018 into 
2019. The most, the newest one on there would be Fertile Crescent, which was um, that wasn't written too far out from recording, and that changed a lot in pre-production and actually on the day in the studio. Like we wrote, we wrote melodies and we wrote um, lyrics like literally 20 seconds before walking in and recording them, just at the direction and sort of at the been pushed by our producer to sort of you know work harder and try different things and yeah some of them paid off mm-hmm. now one one thing that's really fascinating going from the ep um to hyper reality is like there's a different sort of feel it's not just refined like it's got a little bit of a different feel talk a little bit about what you were aiming for with the record and why you were sort of pushing in the slightly different direction with the, with the album yeah, that's it's good that you noticed that because we we're definitely we we're definitely trying to do that or to I guess we were trying to refine it, but we we're also trying to do something that was a little bit. Everyone says this, but they wanted to try and do something that's a bit different. But I guess um, there's a lot of like a lot of like really long sort of repetitive songs in Doom, and that's the whole genre. That's that's what it is. But we want to keep that element, but also try and um, make things to the point and not drag on and you know sort of instead of just repeating and repeating and like let's add melodies and let's you know let's change keys and stuff like that so um we'll put we also like we didn't really have any confidence in ourselves as vocalists like me especially and dick included um so like on the first ep you can tell that we're like really trying to hide the fact that we can't sing under lots of um reverb and modulation whereas we spent more time um in the years after that like actually trying to sing a bit better and just especially richard like having a lot more confidence in what he can do and really focusing on vocal melodies and then matching that to guitar melodies and stuff like that so we just wanted to we want to make it more like a rock album i guess like um not so much your verse chorus structure but like strong choruses and like catchy catchy sections with still maintaining all the heaviness we just wanted to focus more on on the songs and not just trying to make the heaviest riffs we could which is what we're definitely trying to do at the beginning Mm, yeah i've got both those down the notes in terms of the the vocal effects as well as kind of a more rocky feel like it's kind of interesting coming from like that very very heavy record like was there anything in the interim that was like, oh, we, we kind of were gravitating more towards this because we've heard something, or was there outside feedback? How did you come back to sort of wanting to go in that uh, sort of more rocky direction? Um, yeah, I don't think it, it wasn't a decision. It was just um, like we didn't have we didn't have like a goal that we were setting out to. We just sort of had maybe ten. 12 songs if not not all fully written but all can't because it's mostly we don't really write in it's all written over computer pretty much like dick and myself will write riffs and then we'll program drums and we'll play all the instruments and then we'll send it back and forth so we don't nothing really gets worked on until it's i'd say like it's a it's a finished song in the computer form then we take it to the rehearsal space so it was just both our own individual influences. Like I know that me and Dick uh, listened to a lot of Mastodon. Like we're huge Mastodon fans. Um, probably like a lot of stuff we grew up with. Like, like listening to lots of Tool, like um, Smashing Pumpkins, 
like I was a, Ma- a big Primus fan, grew up with a lot of Primus. So like whenever I write stuff, I'm always trying to think about interesting bass lines and Dick's trying to think of cool, like slightly weird guitar licks and so is Tim. And then Jeremy's like got his own like really sort of um, unique style where he just sits sits back on the beat um so yeah, there was no it wasn't it wasn't a decision made beforehand it was just sort of all our own little weird influences like tim's got lots of um influence from like guns and roses and like he loves like glam metal and stuff from the 80s so it, you can hear little flickers of that in some of his solos it all sort of just came together and made something pretty weird like a melting pot of all our childhood bands <laughs> mm one thing that sort of leans towards that is there's, there's lots of sections in many of the songs where it's kind of like it gets quiet and the the, the song sort of breathes a little bit it's like oh all right let's let's chill out here it's not nothing's uh being particularly aggressive and i, I, I thought that was a really notable part of the the music is is there anything in particular like that gravitated you towards that kind of approach to some of the structure of the songs yeah that's a, that's a really good point and that was um something that uh dave the guy that we did pre-production with and george our producer they said like you can't underestimate the power of having a good dynamics in your song because i understand you guys want to be a heavy band and like that's what we we gravitate towards but if you just have wall-to-wall riffs for 36 minutes of whatever the record is it loses its potency pretty quickly um and it also just blends together so if you if you shift the dynamics and you have quiet sections and you have you bring the listener in you um take them to another place and then you just smash them with a huge riff like you really you get to appreciate um yeah like it, it makes the heavier parts heavier and it makes the softer parts more interesting you get drawn into it so yeah that was we were deliberately trying to do that and i think apart from maybe and queen the last track pretty much every song has got some big dynamic shifts like that mm, i feel like that's a really important part of some of the sort of better stoner bands where like you're sort of you're like chilling and you're kind of waiting for the heaviness to come in and there's that that really anticipation exactly yeah sort of builds and it's, it's so kind of it's a really exhilarating feeling um Definitely. I, I want to build more on sort of how the band riots. So you and uh, you, you and Richard, you and Dick, you sort of go back and forth between the computer files. Talk a little bit about how it develops, sort of after that, when you when you're rehearsing, and kind of get, get a little bit more in depth about pre-production and production and how that kind of influenced some of those songs. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Dick's living in Mangaratta again at the moment, so we don't rehearse that often. If we have a show coming up, we'll rehearse the week before it. We'll try to get two in. Um, but we don't rehearse that often, so all our, all our work's done yeah, via via the computers. So we both just ride into Logic. We'll try and work out if we like something. Like I'll, yeah, I'll make a riff, and then I'll try and build a song, and I'll program the drums all around it. Then we'll send it to our Google Drive file, everyone will listen to it give notes say yeah i like that riff or that shit <laughs> maybe can that or we'll just sleep on it after a few days i might just say myself like i hate that and we'll just forget it again but yeah once we've once we've found something that we all seem to like um then we'll take it to like we'll say all right next rehearsal let's work on this and then we'll do that and then we it might flesh it out and you say this doesn't actually work that well 
in the live setting or you might it might be awesome and you like once you get like the, a proper drummer behind it like the whole feel can change and that often happens because i don't spend too much time programming drums just because it's tedious but when you get jeremy actually like in the room and you get his feel like riffs can change and like things can speed up or slow down um and then like this is what we did last time what we planned to do again And this year, everything we had, like, well, sorry, you still there? Yeah, you broke up for a second there. Sorry, man, you still there? Yeah, you, you, I can hear you now. Sorry, I was. Uh, there was another call coming in. Right. Yeah, sorry. Um, so yeah, once we, once we've, um, sort of decided like this is a cool song, we like it. Um, we go to the to the studio, record it all in a cheaper, like more relaxed studio which is much more fun to be and you don't have to stress about being on the clock so much um we record everything we have and then we'll take that away and start writing vocals to it and then come back the next weekend like lay down vocals and then sort of live with that for a few weeks or months and then you might be happy with it or we might add stuff to it or totally scrap stuff to it but that seemed to work really well like that was probably the most valuable thing that we did on the album was um doing pre-production and actually living with the songs for probably at least six months and then you know things did change again the final time we recorded it but we also we knew the songs so well by the time that we actually went to record them that it was easy and we were able to sort of work on the fly a bit and change things here and there because we were so comfortable with the tracks mm-hmm. uh, that's really interesting um in terms of you sort of taking maybe you more in isolation in that sort of first stage how do you approach generating a riff, generating other ideas for songs, moving it along, um, you know, progressing it towards some sort of satisfactory stage? How, how does that work for you? Um, usually, like, I'll just... Uh, I know that there's sort of BPMs that we like to play around, um, usually between 88 and, I think, 110. I like to play in that sort of range, so I'll usually start... I picking I'll just randomly pick a BPM and then um, I'll build a bit of a drum beat and like create a bit of a feel and then I'll just try I always start with bass so like I always just get bass and I'll try and make a cool bass riff you can usually tell within the first 15 minutes whether you're going to have a good day like if you've got something cool in 15 minutes like I'll keep working on it but um, a lot of the times if I haven't got anything in 15 minutes then I know that it's just not the right day so I'll just shut the computer and try again another day but yeah on the days that you do get something good like i'll yeah i'll sort of nut that out i'll, I'll work section by section i'll go all right i don't know what this section is going to be yet but i'm liking the feel of this and then i'll that usually leads me to think oh i know it would sound good after this and i go oh, hang on that that could be a good verse and then oh, actually this bit that i started on that would work as a chorus or that would work as a bridge and then i'll just build around that and i'll just do a lot of copying and pasting because it's just to get the idea across to the to the other guys i'll record some guitar poorly and then yeah it might only be two minutes it might be two sections or three sections or it might be eight minutes and it's a full track and then um we'll upload that and show everybody else but that's pretty much how every one of our songs has, has started apart from maybe the very beginning when we just did do it in a one or two, two tracks in the organic sense just in the room together Mm-mm. now I don't want to overemphasize this, but like, 
bass in this kind of doomy, stonery music, I feel like has slightly more prominence, maybe slightly more importance. Um, how, how does so you sort of primarily being a bassist, how, how does that play out for you? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think like you can't, there is, there's so many, it all comes back to Geezer Butler, I guess, from Sabbath, like the king of stoner bass, but yeah, it is very important. Like, and I'm no amazing bass player, but it is, I like to put, you know, little, I'm really influenced by people like Justin Chancellor from Tool and of course, Les Claypool from Primus, but it is, yeah, bass is very important and you can, tone is very important too. Like you fill out that bottom end where the guitars always sit in that, sort of the mid-range and that fuzzy sound like the drums and the bass really just give all the riffs and give you all that bottom end that you people really seem to love and just yeah that sort of it gives it the punch that that it needs mm-hmm. now you and Richard are both vocalists I'm, I'm not entirely sure um, like where you guys are in the album yeah, can you can you speak a little bit on that? So all the um all the good singing that's that's Richard. <laughs> all the um all the other shit like that's me. Like I'm I'm doing the um the choruses in Mouth of the Hound. Um, more the aggressive style vocals, like the kind of in between yelling and poor singing. That's me. Whereas all the uh, all the clean nice singing is Richard. <laughs> it's ninety percent Richard. I just do some backings and you know try and. If it's an, an aggressive section, we want to just change the feel a little bit. I might do something.
lyrics, you, you said you had the music laid down, then you wanted to sort of write the vocals for that. How did how the lyrics come into that? What, what was your you guys' process for that? Um, yeah, it's tough. Like we're not we're both not really confident lyricists, but um, like we we definitely try to steer away from the sort of stereotypical themes that a lot of doom bands like I'm not going to be writing songs about weed or like you know um, all the usual occult themes which I, I, it's definitely cool and I've got no problem with that I just think it's a little bit done and a bit a bit stale so we try and I don't know just do some some weird things like we'll fertile crescents about um, Mesopotamia and just ancient history I guess and just some cool little trying to put ourselves in those positions, just nothing too deep, just something that might be a little interesting story or um, Ant Queen is just like a sci-fi story about giant ants attacking the world. Um, what else do we have? Uh, it's all it's all pretty uh, pretty shallow, <laughs> nothing, nothing too deep to read into, but it's just, um, I don't know, it's just, it's mostly sci-fi and sort of history orientated, I guess. Mm, now you've mentioned that the sci-fi is an attraction for a lot of guys in the band. For you, talk a little bit about what attracts you to that particular topic. Um, I don't know. I've like I really like film. I like a lot of '80s horror and '80s, um, '70s and '80s sci-fi movies. I don't know. It's just it's interesting. It's got the uh, got the thriller aspect, but it's also got the science aspect and. It's not, it's not. It's good to watch films which uh, make you think a little bit. So we've all sort of got into that, to that genre for that reason. I guess it makes you think. It's not as mind-numbing as yeah, blockbuster films. So yeah, it's always been just been a genre that we all sort of got into. And it seems like a lot of bands uh, in the Stone of Doom world do as well. Just judging by the uh, all the cover art out there. Mm-mm-mm. Um. Going back to some of the sort of other specific musical elements of the album, you recorded Thunder Mountain Wizard um, as Thunder Mountain. Why did you want to redo that song for the album that was on the EP? And why did you sort of switch up the name a little bit? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, we like, we still... And probably the main reason is because that that song seems to get such a, um, a good reception from people whenever we play it. Um, I think it's, it's pretty weird compared to our other stuff. It's like, it's essentially a, a blues sort of 12 bar blues in the um, verse. So it's not really like anything else we've got, but it's catchy, I guess it's got a catchy section and it's, it's more, it's more friendly, I guess. Um, and we, yeah, we, we really love the, we really love the song. So the opening riffs and the outro riffs are like a super heavy, but then you've got a catchy middle section. Dick's guitar solo is really cool. So we wanted to do it justice with a, like a proper recording. Like when we first did it, we, the intro was way too long. It was just, it was a little bit on the nose. And then the whole Thunder Mountain wizard thing, like, which it is cool. Like it's just, it also is a little bit on the nose. So we're like, let's just, the song's changed a little bit. We've shortened it. We've tidied it up. We've added some extra vocals. We've, given it what we think it deserves. Let's just drop the wizard because it's a slightly it's a slightly new track, but still the old track. We'll just call it Thunder Mountain, sort of 
show that it's uh, it's matured a little bit into the the new 2019 droid. <laughs> Mm-mm-mm. Now, I, I think there were a few samples that I couldn't really pick up where they were from. W- where are they from, and what was the intention behind putting them on the, the songs? Yeah, uh, that's another dislike. They're, they're mostly from from films. I'm just trying to remember which ones that we used. Um, like the ones we used in Ant Queen are from a film from, I think it's from the 56, called Them. Of course. It's definitely from the... <laughs> yeah. So there's some, there's just some great, like, just classic um, old film noir sort of quotes in there. And then there's, what else did we use? Um, there's another, I think we might have used, shit, it's hard to remember. I've got so many on my computer, like, I'll just sort of go, when you're watching a film, you hear something, you'll be like, oh, that'd be good to use. And you'll, I'll just put up this little thing I've got on my computer where you can plug it straight in and just record it to the hard drive. It's probably highly illegal and we may get sued for it, but um, it's just sometimes you need something like a little bit just to sort of note a section where there's, it's probably not, it's not right for vocals, but it's a little bit boring, just instrumental, just to sort of something to sort of capture someone's attention. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was mastered by Brian Lucy, who um. I was going through yeah. the credits, but I thought I think he did in another Australian band, Sono band. Um, oh shit! Anyway, um, I can't remember their name. Um, Actually, he might have done. He would have done Drug Cult. Yes, I reckon. yes, that was it. That was it. Why, why, why'd you yeah. go, why would you go with him? Um, well, George Carpenter, who produced the album and mixed it, um, engineered the whole thing. He he's got a relationship with Brian, who's. Um, yeah, Brian's like highly uh, respected mastering engineer. Uh, I don't know how many Grammys or whatever he's he's involved with, but he's done yeah, you know everything from Black Keys to like Marilyn Manson and you know everything in between. Um, he we we didn't really we didn't even really know about him until um, until it got to that stage. But George, who had did who's done the Drug Cult previous record and he's done their new record, which is coming out. Um, He's used him before, and he said he's just like he's one of the best. You won't be disappointed. He can be like a little interesting to work with, but we we were blown away. Like the before and after, like the mix sounded already sound great, but when we got it back from Brian, it was just yeah, it was unbelievable. The master, so yeah, that was definitely worth worth the money. Um, and we were just we were pretty much just uh, listening to whatever George said. We trusted his judgment and his opinion so he um took us in the right direction in that sense mm, that's really good how'd you choose the title um yeah we a lot of the uh like the themes are about um kind of like ai and that's something that I know, i'm really interested in just um humanoids and all kinds of advances in technology and we we're originally going to call it um what were we going to call it uh we had another name that was along those lines but i think there was already an album called called the same thing and hyper reality just sort of it was like once again we had this bit of list of like names that sort of jumped out at us and that sort of captured what droids about it's about um technology and futurism and 
a lot of the topics we, we talk about so we just thought it had a cool ring to it and yeah i guess we went with that just it was kind of a, it only came about in the last month before yeah once the album was fully finished we sort of decided on it mm-hmm. who did the cover art and what was their brief for it uh heath knock did the cover art he's a artist tattoo artist in sydney um I think I th- we decided by that stage what the album was going to be called and we sort of briefed him on it and what it meant to us. Um, and I said, I, th- I think we, our original brief was we wanted it to be like a, <laughs> it was a confusing one for him. So we wanted it to be like a, someone in the 1950s was do- uh, drawing the blueprints for a, an AI in the future. Like they were looking towards the future and they were sort of, drawing up a sort of a schematic almost um, of what they imagine like this humanoid skull to look like. And he said, cool, leave it with me. And then he, he came out with that. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Um, moving on to you guys playing live. Um, you, you've already done a few dates for the tour. How, how has that gone so far? Yeah, it's been heaps of fun. So you know, this, is our first, this is our first time ever playing out of Victoria. We went to Adelaide first we drove which was yeah it was actually heaps of fun um and Adelaide was really good there was a really good um reception there for us and like a decent crowd was at the Crown and Anchor which is a really cool pub um all the people that we that we spoke to afterwards was super nice and really friendly like everyone was yeah like really supportive so we were, were stoked with that and then we played we went to Queensland the week after that and we played in Ipswich which was like a super strange little like not strange but just a like a different vibe to what we'd played in before it was um this sort of bar and this uh back street of ipswich but that was the same deal the people over there were so nice and uh we sold heaps of merch so like we all were really grateful for that brisbane was brisbane was small like there wasn't many people there were a little bit disappointed but um once again yeah it was great people and the venue was awesome sound was good all the, all the bands we've played with so far have been so good and then um we went to sydney last week or the week before i think it was and yeah that was that was the highlight so far like frankie's was huge it was packed um yeah it was unreal we couldn't the sound was amazing it was the best sort of proper live sound we'd had since we started and good backline great bands like all the venue staff was super friendly so yeah we were really, really stoked with that one. And then, yeah, Melbourne coming up next. I don't know when this is going to be released, but yeah, the Friday, Friday the 14th will be Melbourne, so we're hoping that can be even better. Mm-mm-mm. Now, you guys have had the opportunity to play with a few international bands, including Beast Wars, Ark of Ascent, Bongzilla, and Crowbar. Like, is there anything you take away from those experiences? Yeah, definitely. Um professionalism from like from all those bands has been even bongzilla who definitely live up to their name like they're just they're pros when they get on stage like they know exactly what they want when it comes to amps and tone and what they need um and who else like beast wars are, are a class act like they're they're extremely professional um and they sort of yeah they they're that's something to aspire to. Like if we could get, ever get to the level of, yeah, of any of those bands would be extremely, extremely happy because that's pretty much all you want. You can, 
still live your life, but you can go go to another country and play play shows to hundreds of people. Um, yeah, that's the dream, really. And they just yeah they do it they do it so well. Crowbar again are just they're they're enormous. They're one of the heaviest bands I've ever seen live, I reckon. But yeah, all super friendly guys. Every, everyone we've met um, since we've been in the band has just been has been awesome. We really haven't had any bad experiences at all. It's been great. Mm, that's great to hear. Um, one last question about you guys playing live. When you are on stage, like, what is it you're trying to do? If you understand what I'm getting at. Mostly trying not to fuck up. <laughs> we um we're mostly trying to play the right frets. No, we're um we're doing, we're, we're definitely not um brilliant musicians by you know some standards. We we can we can play our own tracks, but yeah, we're just trying to I'm trying to make sure we get a good mix to begin with because if you can't hear one person, then you're in big trouble. Um, but we're trying to make it as loud as it can be without being too much but also as just um sort of like engrossing you want people to just get sucked in for 30 minutes 45 minutes um and just walk away feeling like that was the weirdest heaviest like coolest thing i've seen in a long time that's that's the main aim of the game i guess Mm -hmm. Uh, a couple last questions about you when did you first start listening to heavy music um, heavy music, pretty young, maybe when I was around 13, 14, I reckon, 12, I don't know, around that age, like I, I started up, I think I said before, with like Rage Against the Machine and Tool, uh, that was pretty, pretty damn heavy at the time, still is, but for me, and then you, I went into, um, hardcore bands like Madball, Raised Fist, Terror, they were all really heavy by my standards too. But um, yeah, definitely around that age, I reckon, 13-ish, 14-ish, and then, yeah, I was pretty much hooked. <laughs> mm. now, before you uh, was invited to join this band that your friends were forming, were you like interested in the stoner music? Was that something that kind of appealed to you? Yeah. Um, like I'm definitely no lifelong stoner doom fan. I would never claim that but um i'd always been a huge fan of sabbath and then i think not long like, yeah it would have been not long before we started i think empress rising came out by mono lord and that was one of the first things i heard in the radio where i was like what the hell is this that yeah that was one of the heaviest things i'd ever heard in that sort of slow uh, slow style yeah doom style i guess but yeah that really sort of pricked my ears up and then uh what else did i listen to it was all like i was always listening to to the classics but um yeah i think in terms of modern doom it was definitely it was definitely that mono lord ep or the album that first released that really really got me excited and yeah that was right around the time that we sort thought let's, let's start playing this Mm-mm. Now, when do you start playing bass, and, and why do you stick with it? I probably started around the same time as I was saying before, and I think around thirteen or fourteen when I was when I started high school. Um, yeah, played in like lots of just high school bands, and 
some rock bands and some hardcore bands and like the school band <laughs> doing all the nerdy stuff and then yeah i stuck with it just because i loved playing it um oh i just loved playing playing live and all the cool hangouts you got to do from being in a band and then yeah i just it just kept kept going until i was probably i think maybe 22 or something like that um and then work and all that sort of stuff starts to get a bit more serious and i just yeah i quit my band that i was in at the time and sold all my gear so i had nothing um and yeah like i said i didn't i didn't play for four four or five years until until these guys until tim and richard came calling Mm-hmm. And how about vocals? I know you say you aren't particularly confident in vocals, but like, how did you kind of sort of grow, uh, sort of move into that role? I don't know in this band, any previous bands, and sort of like, how, what are your feelings about it? Um, like I don't, I'm not a, I'm not an overly co- a confident vocalist, but I'm not a definitely not a shy person, so I wasn't happy. I wasn't uh, afraid to to give it a go and like I can do I could do some like pretty some pretty decent yeah growly and not like definitely not a screamer or anything like that but I, I really like bands um especially bands like Mastodon which have which have three vocalists it keeps it so interesting I reckon when you hear different voices um so we really want to try and have that element like have different voices that are uh, you can hear throughout throughout the songs just to keep it interesting so i was like even though i'm not great at it i'll just i'll try my best and hopefully yeah i think we've definitely got a bit better over the years and hopefully we keep getting better it was mostly just yeah out of the want to to keep it interesting to the listener mm-hmm. and one last question what have you been listening to reading watching or playing lately um what have i been listening to um listening to a lot of black metal recently <laughs> Uh, I really love that record, the first record by Petushka, um, Litigoria. I, I don't know how it's pronounced. Something that's that's insane. Mm. Um, what else have I been listening to? Um, uh, who did we see? We saw that band. Oh, we saw. Oh, I've been listening to a bit of Immortal because I saw that um, Abbott's coming back this year, so I'll probably go see him. Um, yeah, a lot of black metal, really. And watching, um, I haven't watched anything great recently. Oh, the last great thing I saw was that South Korean film. What was it called? Parasite. That was great.
That song you just listened to was Ant Queen. And in the middle of the interview, we heard Mouth of the Hound. Thank you again to Will Haynes for chatting to me. Those tracks both from Droid's album Hyper Reality. Before I let you go, two recommendations. First is Blue Mirror by Folion, which is like a, a reverby post-metal album. A really interesting characteristic of it, though, is that it's got this very deliberate electronic drumming, which lends it a very industrial feel. And it's very much a swirling form of a bunch of different ideas, and it absolutely just works. That's what's really enjoyable about it. The the songs can be incredibly different from a very, as I mentioned, industrial-styled, doomy reverb, sort of leaning on the more distortion end, and then sort of transition into sort of ambience and acoustic guitars. And there's an incredible flow throughout that entire thing. So I recommend you check that out. Blue Mirror by Folion. And an album which I think certainly doesn't work as well as that, but I think it's interesting for what it is rather than maybe as good as it is, Translucent Blades by Grin. has really varied sounds throughout the album, um, but one of the things that was really piqued my interest in it was the fact that it features swaths of bass. It's a sort of stonery album, although it sort of varies between how it approaches that from more of a spacey perspective, more of a sludgy perspective other songs. But it has vast swaths of songs which are unaccompanied bass, where the guitar might just be providing sort of spacey tones, very, very light touch. And it's very interesting to hear something that's stripped back, because usually with stoner music, it's to varying degrees, but like there is often a wall of sound approach where the bass occupies the low end, but then we get a little bit higher, the guitar helps to fill out that sound. And it is interesting to hear a band which isn't afraid to put away the guitars for a few minutes. Although I think the real issue the album has is it doesn't feel as coherent as it needs to be. You know, you can have really different sounds, but there needs to be a kind of flow-through as Folian sort of demonstrates. But I do recommend you check it out just because it's something a little bit different. That's Translucent Blades by Grin. You can contact me on social media, AUSHunger on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can also send me an email, australianhunger at gmail.com. Any comments, questions, or if you're in a band and you want to see if we can organise an interview. But until next week, thanks for listening. Bye.